good morning, church. Man, after that worship, you should be pumped and throw something like that on top of me. Come on. Whose heart's not beating? So that's half of you. What about the other half? Okay, we're getting there. We're getting there, man. It is great to be back here with you this uh, Sunday morning as we chase this life of what it means to follow and live for Jesus Christ. Um, If you are new with us, welcome. Welcome to Vertical Church. We hope that you enjoy your time with us today. I say this every week. Uh, We hope that you feel welcome and that you're willing to come back and and chase this life with us uh, because that's our goal. We want to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. That is our mission as a church. And we want you to know how much God loves you through worship and through word and especially through his son, Jesus Christ. Okay, we're going to jump in. Open your Bibles, if you would, to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, we're starting at verse 12 here in a few minutes. Before I get into this morning, I just want to uh, share a couple of things that are coming up. Well, at least one thing that's coming up is uh, as of tomorrow, we're going to be posting uh, for our youth director position. We are building for our future. Uh, we're moving forward with this and start looking for our next youth director. Uh, there'll be a post on Facebook uh, tomorrow morning. It'll come out. You can see it, read the description, and you can submit your resume and references through that if you're interested or know someone who is. And then two weeks after that, we'll be putting it out there on a staffing website looking for our next youth director. So please keep that in prayer. We don't take that lightly. We want to prepare for the future where God has for us as a church. Where are we going and what does he want us to do? So that's coming up. But this morning we jump into our, this latest series titled Semper Fi. And in this series, what we're going to do is we're going to step in and look into the community in our lives. I'm not sure if you know this or believe this or not, but you, me, we were created to live in community. Now, when I read through this book, God's book, the good book, it makes it really clear that you and I can't do life alone. We need other people in it. We need others in it. We need people to move us forward in life. Not the pseudo relationships that society is saying is true through social media, you know, where you have a thousand followers on Facebook or Instagram or friends or things like that, 10,000 followers on million followers on TikTok, whatever it may be. They say, and this is how you decide if you're actually connected to people, and that's absolutely false. We need people in our lives that moves us forward, but not as the, what the standards of the world says, but the standards of the, what God says of doing life together. So before we get into this conversation, I want to share with you, this is not just anybody in our lives, right? We need to have the right people in our lives. We all can have people in our lives, but we need to make sure we have the right people in our lives. In fact, just a few chapters after what we're going to be looking through this morning, it, it writes this, do not be misled. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. We need the right people in our life. We need to have the good people in our life that are leading us to the best life, the Jesus life. Relationships, people, that lead us to the best life in this, not based on the world standards, but again, but through the standards of the one who created us. And a vertical, when it comes to these relationships, when it comes to these people in our lives, we believe that this form is best in our small group ministry. Being a part of small group, having people in our lives that are going the same direction as we want to go, have this Jesus life. And this is why I believe that we become like who we hang with. We, you, me, we, we become like who we hang with. So who we do life with, who we spend the, the most time with, 
will shape who we become and what we do in life. Kind of pointing back to last week's conversation, by the way. Who do you want to be? If you didn't miss that conversation or that series, the New You Resolution, I encourage you to go back to our podcast and listen to that series. Why, this is why we encourage you to be in the Word. Be open up this book and have a conversation. God, spend time with Jesus. Because the more time we spend with Jesus, the more opportunity we have to come like Jesus, not like the world. So who we spend the most time with is kind of start shaping our lives. And this is also our physical lives as well, not just our spiritual lives, who we spend time with. So let me just be right up front with you. Be right up front with this so that you just know there's no hidden agenda. So there's no bait and switch. I want you to know right here, right now, for the next two weeks, we're going to be diving into and discussing the importance of small groups and how they are a foundational piece of our walk with Jesus as a church. More than that, we're going to be digging into this and talking about the importance of you, church, being in a small group, how it's a foundational piece for your life and your walk with Jesus. Now, right now, I create a little tension in some of your lives in this room because you know that I'm talking to you about getting into a small group and you just shifted in your seat and you're wondering how soon can I tune Rich out or when is this service going to be over or you're thinking about the football game this afternoon or what you're going to have for lunch because it's home in the crock pot or you're thinking, man, right now would be a great time for me to get up and go to the bathroom. How do we deal with this? And I get it. You want to tune me out, but I want to ask you, please, before you tune me out, hear me out. Because in this room this morning, there are four groups of people when it comes to this idea of living and doing life together in small groups. There are four groups of people. And here's the first one. The first one is this. You're one of these groups. You are in a small group. You're in this room and you are in a small group. You are in a small group and you love your small group. You look forward to your small group. You plan around your small group. You look, you, this is your small groups and your posse that you do life with together. You, maybe you're in a small group and you don't love it yet, but you know that you need that group in your life to move forward, to keep you moving in the directions that Jesus would want you to go. So that's group number one. You're in a small group. Group number two, you were in a small group but you dropped out. You were in a small group at one point, you tried it at this church or another church, and you were in a small group and you dropped out. You tried it and you didn't like it. You tried it and what, what, it wasn't what it was promised to you. You tried it, but the busyness of life took over and so you said, like, listen, I don't have time for a small group in my life. Or you tried it and you felt like you didn't fit in. You went to a small group and you're like, I don't know if I fit into this group of people. That's okay. Because that's why we have multiple small groups to, for you to find your fit. Let me just think, look at it this way. Who in this room has had a bad haircut? Come on, everybody if you're raising your hand. We're in church, no lying. Okay, so we've all had bad haircuts. Man, I think about this when I ask this question. I think about growing up and how my mom used to put a bowl on my head and cut around and the bowl for some reason was crooked. It didn't make sense. When I got old enough, I told her to stop cutting my hair. But we've all had bad haircuts. Does that mean you don't find another barber? 
Doesn't mean you don't find another hairdresser or a salon to go to. Well, y'all got pretty nice hair this morning, so I'm guessing you did. You made a choice to find someone else to go to. That's what it's like with small groups. You can try a small group, be like, ah, I really don't fit, or go and feel like I'm with that group right there. It's okay. Try another one. And then try another one until you find your fit because you were created for community. So that's group number two. Group number three, you're in a group and you're thinking about dropping out. You're in a group right now and you're thinking about, hmm, after the holidays, I don't plan on showing up. I'm not even going to tell my leader. I'm hoping I can just slide back in the shadows and they'll never notice that I'm gone. So you're thinking about stepping away. You don't need to be a part of it. Be unnoticed. If that's you, hold on. All right? Hear me out for the next couple of weeks about how small groups can affect and change your life for Christ. Group number four. You've never been part of a small group. You've never been in a group. You've heard about small groups. You're like, okay, that just sounds cultish. So I'm I've never been a part of it. You know, you don't like sharing your life with people. Shoot, I don't even like people, let alone be in a group with them. That's how some of you are. I know it. So you're not in a small group. You've never been a part of a small group. You don't like being a part of it. You feel like you can do life better alone. Because you don't deal with the drama of others. You just have to deal with your little circle, live in your three-foot world. So right now, those are our four groups. You're in a small group, you love it. You were in a small group and you dropped out. You're in a small group right now and you're thinking of dropping out. Or you've never been part of a small group. These are the four groups that are in this room and you are in one of them. Now, it is my hope that over the next two weeks to identify where you are at for you to understand where you're at and through scripture and testimony share how you were created for community and if you are not living in it you're missing out on one of God's greatest gifts to you as his child because here's the thing we've already talked this about and I didn't plan this I love how God did this we are in the middle of a battle it was already brought up this morning. We're in the middle of a battle. It's a battle that one that we can't see, but it's happening all around us. It's a battle that those who don't know Jesus, that when we bring it up and talk about it, they think it's, oh, it's really, really cool because all these movies about it. Or they think we're crazy. It's a battle for those who are following Jesus feel really uncomfortable talking about it. And this battle is a spiritual battle. And it's happening all around us, affecting our lives. Spiritual battle against the powers of darkness and the evil forces of this world in our lives, our souls are the object of that battle. Every single one of us in this room. Because we have an enemy. And our enemy has a name and his name is Satan. One of God's created angels who was cast from heaven because he is filled with greed he has a quest for power, world domination, and he and his minions want nothing more than to derail our lives. One of his greatest joys is seeing you and me deny God and embracing a life that's all about the world and nothing about Jesus. When he can get someone to do that, he is celebrating and I, I think that this, he is crafty. 
crafty. And scripture says that he's, he's prowling around looking for a, someone to devour, a life to ruin. And I think about, I was thinking about this morning, praying this morning, going back to the Genesis chapter three, when he says to Eve, oh, come here, come on. Did God really say that you shouldn't eat? Oh, you won't die if you do. What's gonna happen when you disobey God and believe that what he's holding back from you and think you can do better on your own is that your eyes are gonna be open. Friends, he is doing that to you right here, right now. Taking your eyes off of what Jesus has for you and putting on what he has for you. And let me just tell you, it's death. And as God's creation, as God's children, we are faced with this every single day. And we have to learn how to mass our defenses and move forward to find victory over the forces of darkness that try to invade our lives. And in order to do that, we need to open up this book and seek out and find out what God has given us to do battle. Don't ignore it. Don't dismiss it but embrace it. And one of the ways that God has gifts that God has given us to do battle is living in community with other believers and followers of Jesus. That's one of the gifts he's given us. Now, right now you're open to a passage of scripture that was written by a guy named Paul. First Corinthians was written by a guy named Paul. And Paul was a follower of Jesus. And in First Corinthians, he's writing to the Corinth, the church of Corinth. And he's writing to them on purpose for a purpose. He heard through the grapevine that this church was not living like the church. This church was, there was arguing take place. In this church, there was division take place. In this church, they were doing their own thing, going their own direction. There wasn't the unity in the church that Jesus called to be in the church. In John chapter 17, he said, let them be one as we are one. There was all these people doing all their own things. They're not living out and being the church. And in chapter 12, verse 12, Paul starts painting an interesting picture of what the church, or maybe even better said, how the church is to function and live together. So if you have your Bibles open or Bible apps, or you can follow on the screen, look at verse 12 with me. He says, just as a body, the one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we're all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we are all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Let's just stop right here for a second. I love how Paul fleshes this out for us to see it. He uses an illustration that we can fully grasp, that we have human bodies, that is something tangible for us, that is something we can relate to, that is something we can comprehend. Why? Because we can go look in front of the mirror and say, hey, there's my body. We all have one. And we can look at it and understand it. We can grasp at it. And this is one body but it has many, many, many parts. Every single one of our bodies, we look in the mirror, we look in the mirror, okay, I have a head. I have two arms. I have hands. I have legs. I have feet. We even have those things that are called ugly big toes. Come on, they're ugly, aren't they? I don't want to see yours. Just to throw it out there. Keep your big toes to yourself. The body is one. It is whole. It is complete. But the whole thing is made up of many, 
many different parts. Then Paul throws his kicker statement in there and he says, so it is with Christ. Just as I'm talking about your body is many, many different parts, it's just one. So it is with Christ. What in the world does that mean? Great question. I'm glad you asked. Good job. You guys are smart. Look at this. Look, it goes on. And he gives us the answer in verse 13. For we all baptized to one spirit is to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we're all given one spirit to drink. Paul is saying that when you surrender, when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, when you make him the Lord over your life, you are baptized. You might want to step aside here. This is not confusion with the water baptism, what we'll be doing on February 13th. When we baptize people on February, on February 13th, they've already given their life to Jesus. They're publicly proclaiming their, what Jesus has done for him. What Paul is talking about here is saying, you've been baptized, you've been immersed with the Holy Spirit, simply meaning that when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit of God. He resides in you as your advocate, as your counselor, as your leader in your life to guide you in life. And he says, when you have that, when that happens, you become a part of the body of Christ, the church. Has nothing to do with your background. Has nothing to do with your race. Has nothing to do with where you fit on society's social ladder. He says, in Jesus, you receive one spirit You become one. You become a part of the church, the body of Christ. And that body is one, made up of many, many different parts, which is you. Church, what Paul is simply saying is that you and me, and I've said it multiple times this morning, we were created to live in community. Just as our bodies were created to live in community with each other, we were created to live in community as a church. Community with God and community with others around us. I mean, let's step back and think about this for a moment from a human perspective. Our bodies are a fascinating creation. There's no way around. If you're in the medical field, if you're watching online, you're in part of the medical field, you know this to be true. You would agree with me on that, agree with me on this. Every part of our bodies are constantly negotiating with each other every single moment and every so we can present the best possible us at that moment. It's working together. Right now that we think about this, that every part, every piece, every vessel of your body is working together, healing a cut, fighting a disease, reproducing cells, growing, some of us in the wrong direction. but they're working together, living together, developing together, hurting together, fixing together. Your body, your human physical body, though it is one, is made of many, many parts created to live in community. Friends, there is nothing else like it on the planet Earth. Let me just tell you that. And what Paul is doing here He is creating the picture, the image. It says, just as you can understand your human body and how it functions all together, for you can be the best you right here, right now, that is so it is the same with the church. It is one body functioning together, living in community, fighting and praying and moving forward together to be one. Man, we can't, I don't think it can be any clearer than that. 
how we're called to live in community. This is how God designed us. And this is one of his greatest tools that he has given us to do and live life together. See, God desires for us to live in relationships where we know you and you know us. God wants us to live in relationships where we love you and you love us. Where we serve you and you serve us. We celebrate you and you celebrate us. Friends, that is our small group ministry. Find some of those people who are in that group number one this morning and talk to them about their small group. They want us idea. That's the, this is what we, we are to be together. We're learning together. We're loving together. We're serving together. We're growing together. We're celebrating together. We're helping one another. We're challenging each other. They're caring for one another. All these things, crying out to God, celebrating all these things as a group of people. Right now, I'm on my church app, my small group's on there, the church center app, and every once in a while, my group just blows up my phone. I'm like, come on, stop talking to each other, y'all. Nope. Praying for you, what's going on? I just have to set my phone down. It's because they care about each other. They love one another, and they're praying for each other. That is our small group ministry. And if you're here this morning... And you're saying no to small group, no to community in your life. Again, you're saying no to one of the greatest tools outside of the Holy Spirit and the word of God that God has given you to fight the battles in front of you in life. The spiritual battle that's happening all around you. You keep on saying, no, it's a tool, but I don't need it. In fact, if that's you, Paul God is saying in verse 15, look at this on the screen. It says, now, if the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Simply, just stop there again. It doesn't matter what you say. And in fact, if reading these passages, it, it really, in reality, it doesn't, God doesn't care what you think. He created you to live in communion with other people. That's how you were designed. And just because you may be saying, Rich, I don't need that, or I don't want that, I don't care for that, it doesn't mean escape the fact of how you're created to be. It simply may be that your decision-making is flawed. You're not truly how seeing you, how God sees you, and how you need that person next to you to walk through the battles of life. Just because you made a calculated decision doesn't mean it was the right one. Do me a favor, raise your hand if you've ever made a mistake. Yep. Not living in community as God has called you to live in community just could be another one. And this is why, this is why the battles of life are won in community. The battles that we face and we go day by day, as I shared in the beginning, they are won in community with God and with others. Look at verse 18. But in fact, God has placed all the parts of the body, every single one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were not, if they're all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts 
but one body. Let's just stop there again. God has placed every part of the body, the church, uniquely, specifically together to function in the way that he wants to be. The fact you're in this room right here, right now, God has placed you here on purpose for a purpose, to function as his church. There's no way we can read this and think that we are meant to be alone. And if you look, if you look at this and all the battles, you think about this, no battle was ever won by one person. Ever. Look at battles in history of our country or the world. It was never won by one person. You know, a few weeks ago, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Ryan Kattner and digging into researching and learning more about the Marines. As my hope through this series um, to honor them, and I believe a gentleman where is Grant? Praise God, thank you, sir. And anybody else who has served any armed forces. Um, Semper Fi simply means Semper Fidelis, which is Latin for always faithful, faithful to the core and faithful to one another. And in my conversation with him, with Ryan a few weeks ago, we're walking through this, this idea that every Marine goes to strict training. Every Marine goes into strict training. Every Marine goes through countless hours of reading and studying and identifying and mastering every tool that they have been given. This is what they know to be true. We're going to be in training and we've got to master what's given to us. And then he goes on and says that every Marine is challenged to not live for themselves, but each and every soldier that is around them. That they can count on each other, survive because of one another, have victories over the battle they face because one of another. In fact, when an individual Marine does not do or live how they're called or trained to be, people get hurt or people die. And then Ryan shared something with me that absolutely blew my mind. And it goes back to this common phrase that people say, I will die for you. I will die for you. And what he shared with me, again, blew my mind. He says, we don't say it. We know it. Talk about a bond. Talk about a purpose. And then he shared the rap, something that wrapped it all together, where he said, there is something about the bond that happens when you go through hell together. And he wasn't just talking about being in combat. He was speaking about all the realities and the hardships of being deployed or with these guys day in, day in out for months on end with his unit. The bond is so real. The bond is tight. It doesn't have to be said. It just happens. Several years ago, I saw a press video of a Marine who was coming home after he was caught up in a firefight and both of it, he lost both of his legs and his hometown was giving him a parade and out of nowhere came another Marine who was dressed in his blues and stood in the middle of the street and saluted his brother, saluted his brother in arms. He didn't know him. He didn't serve with him. All he knew was that, was that that was his brother, his comrade, who came home from a battle wounded. And the peace that took me over the edge for me, that brought tears down my face, 
is when these two Marines came face to face and they embraced each other with a hug right in front of everybody. That's the church. We're in battle together. As I say that I love you. I am here for you. Imagine what would that look like in your life. Imagine what that would feel like right now to how to change your life, knowing that living in community with believers, having other people walk through life with you, that you're no longer battling what you're facing alone, that you have people praying for you, listening to you, encouraging you, crying with you, fighting with you, praying for you. Think about it right now in your life. What is a battle that you are facing? stronghold that's holding you back, something that you feel like you're being wounded on a daily basis, that you feel like, I have no idea I'm going to get the other side of it. What is that battle? Maybe it's a loss of a loved one, a mom or a dad or a friend. Maybe it's a financial crutch you feel an overwhelmed with bills and debt, or someone you know is dealing with cancer or some other life-threatening disease. Maybe it's extreme pressures of life, trying to live for Jesus, but the life keeps on bouncing into your life because you have rogue kids. Work is throwing you out. Drinking and addiction. You're dealing with hurt. You're dealing with pain. You're dealing with loneliness. What is the battle that you are facing? You were never meant to face that battle alone, according to God and how he created you. So why would you say no? Why would you say no to Jesus? I don't need him. Why would you say no? I don't need people in my life. I don't need them. It goes against the very fabric of God wooed you together. So do you want friendships? Join a small group. Want people to pray with and pray for? Join a small group. You want to grow spiritually? Join a small group. You want to connect with more women and men in the church? Join a small group. You want to fight the battles with other people? Guess what? Say what? Say with me. Join a small group. Our mission is to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. That is the mission of this church. And disciples of Jesus who don't do life alone because we can't do life alone. So I want to challenge you, church. Get into a group. Next Sunday, we'll have many of our small groups will be out in the lobby after service. And if you're not in a small group, I encourage you to go find one and get in it. They are excited to have you join them, be a part of their life. So you do life together. And if you get out there and you're thinking, okay, Rich, I don't see one that fits. Well, why don't you grab a group of people and we'll start more small groups. And we'll start more small groups. More small groups and more small groups. Why? So we don't do life alone. We do life. How we're created to do life. Together. As his body. Though it's one. Many different parts. Amen? Amen. Right now I'm going to ask our... uh,
our prayer team to come forward. And if you have things going on in life, any of those battles that I'm sharing with you right now this morning, I want to ask you to come forward and pray. Be, be prayed for, be prayed over. We desire to invest into your life. We desire to lead into you and be with Why? Because prayer works. I don't know where you're at or what you're dealing with, but come forward. If you're in this room and you've been just saying no to Jesus, you've been doing this life alone without God or Jesus Christ in your life, come forward. We want to talk with you. That is the best decision you can ever make. Make him the Lord of your life. Become part of the body that I've been talking all morning about. We believe Jesus changes everything. And he wants to change you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the realities. And how, God, I love how simple sometimes you put your word for us to grasp. We can't miss it. You created us to live in community with you and with others. I pray that now and to the next week, Lord, that you're stirring in the church's hearts. That you dig into them and show them, reveal them how they can't do life alone. And the hardships they're facing are better lived out and won in community. The God, that you will help us be that church that functions together as one. That we'll be unified in our direction where we're going. Unified and moving forward and reaching people for Jesus. But we understand that unity starts by doing life together. Help us get out of our own way, Lord. Show us where we've put up our own barriers and what we need to do to take a step forward and live how you've called us to live in the community you create us to be. God, we love you. We worship you. And may we honor you with our lives. In your son's name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, church, on your way out, don't, please don't forget the dollar difference buckets are out there. Thank you for making a difference in our community. And I just want to share one thing. Out in the kiosk, you'll see there's a sign-up sheet. We are looking for six to eight people to be a part of that and serve that night at fifth quarter. So if you're willing to go do that, it'd be awesome.